Hey guys, I'm Tony Morita, pastor of Imago Day Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. And I want to take just a second to welcome you to our Bible study here on the book of Ephesians. Uh, wherever you're at, whether you're just watching this personally or perhaps in a group, in a house, or maybe in a classroom, I'm really glad you've chosen to be part of this. Ephesians teaches us much about the Christian life, uh, much about the gospel. One of the questions we're going to look at uh, throughout our study is this question of where do you find your identity? Uh, on what are you basing your life? Uh, how are you being defined? Uh, answers vary. Uh, people you know, want to define themselves by their performance, some by their income, others by their education. Some find their identity in popularity, success, power, sexual desires. There's a whole number of things that you could try to base your life upon. And, but I think in the end, if your identity is not in Christ, you will be dissatisfied. You were made for a relationship with God through Christ. And, and so the good news of the gospel is your identity uh, is, is found in, in knowing him, in, in being in him. And the book of Ephesians teaches us this. In fact, Paul says this little phrase in Christ about 36 times in the book of Ephesians. Uh, if you're looking at a Bible after his little brief introduction in verses 3 to 14, he mentions it about 11 times. And so for Paul, this is, this is a big, big theme. It's a big theme in the whole New Testament, but no letter emphasizes it like the book of Ephesians. And so we're going to dive into that together uh, as we look at what it means to, to be in Christ and what it means to live in light of that identity. And that's actually how the book of Ephesians is, is laid out. Uh, there's six chapters, has about 155 verses. You could read through it in, in one setting. And so in the first three chapters, Paul talks about who we are in Christ. And then in the next three chapters, he talks about how we are to live in light of that identity. And so in the, in the first three chapters, all of the emphasis is on what God has done for us in Christ. The last three chapters are all about what we are to do now in light of God's work for us in Christ. So the, the verb tenses are, are passive in the first section. The, then they're active in the second section. And so Paul is, is showing us here this, this important relationship between knowing who we are and then living in light of that reality. Now, the challenge for believers is to, is to live like that um, because you could believe in your head, yeah, my identity is in Christ, but it's quite another thing for that, that reality to, to get out of the clouds and work itself into the workplace, into your school, uh, on your sports team, because those are the contexts where it's really hard for you to live in that identity. So for example, I heard a story recently of a, of a well-known pastor that was counseling a, a teenage girl who came to see him. She was very discouraged and she began to lament the fact that she wasn't popular, she wasn't pretty, people weren't asking her on dates and so on. And so the wise pastor proceeded to tell her uh, all the blessings that she has in Christ. He told her that, that she had been redeemed, she had been justified before God, she had been reconciled to God, she had been adopted by God, she had been in, indwelt by the Spirit of God, she had a new family called the church, she had an inheritance waiting on her, all of these gospel blessings he, he told her about. And then when he got finished, she looked at him and said, yeah, but what good is that if I can't get a date? And I love this story because it's so honest. It's so honest. It's, it, it's one thing to know, yeah, my identity's in Christ, but it's quite another thing to live in light of that reality. 
And so this, this young teenage girl expresses the challenge that we all have of, of knowing that which is true and then living in light of it. And so what we're trying to do is to, to become what we already are. It's to live in light of this union with Christ that we have. Uh, and uh, there, there should be a difference. There should be a chapter four through six kind of life if we're really understanding what's happened to us, chapters one to three. Uh, one, of, one of the stories that I love about identity is, comes from uh, early church father, St. Augustine or Augustine. Uh, Augustine was notorious for having multiple girlfriends. He lived a very immoral life. You can read about this, for example, in his book, Confessions. He had a mother who was a Christian. His mother prayed for him to be a Christian. Augustine wasn't interested in Christianity. He was interested in rhetoric. And so he would go listen to this guy named Ambrose preach. He wasn't interested in the message, but uh, he was interested in his, his delivery. And so he, but over time, the, the message began to have an effect upon him. And then he describes this very dramatic conversion experience when he heard someone singing outside. In fact, he said it sounded like a group of children. And they were singing a song that, that said, essentially, take up and read, take up and read. And so he goes outside and he found, finds a Bible that's open to Romans chapter 13. And Augustine reads it and he, he becomes a Christian. He's, he tells some friends, tells his family, and then he's got to deal with all the baggage from his, his former life, uh, his, his, all, all of the relationships, all the girls. And so there's a story about how uh, Augustine, uh, shortly after his conversion, was walking down the street and one of the girls starts running after him. And he's like running away from her. And she's like, Augustine, it is I, it is I. He's like running from her. She's like, Augustine, it is I, it is I. He keeps on running. And, and this goes on until he eventually turns around and says, but it is not I, it is not I, it is not I. And that's what happens when you become a Christian. You get a new I, you become a new person, you get a new identity. And as a result of having this new identity, you live differently. And so we want to work this message deeply into our hearts so that it would, it would transform our lives. And it's hard, it's hard in a culture that is, is always preaching to us, find your identity in this, find your identity in that. But you know what, our, our culture is not much different than the world that Paul was, was living in. When he writes the book of Ephesians, uh, he's writing to a culture that's steeped in immorality, steeped in demonic activity, it's a culture that was known for rampant idolatry. The great temple of Diana was there, for example. Um, they loved their entertainment. Uh, pleasures were all around them. They had a, a kind of a sleazy uh, uh, culture uh, in, in the brothels and uh, around the ports and so on. And they also had the sophisticated philosophers who were preaching you know, a, a godless worldview. Paul lived in, right in the middle of that. And you can read about his, his story in Acts chapter 19, as Paul goes to the city of Ephesus, this, this culture that was a melting pot of ideas and was anything but Christian. And Paul goes into this hall, it's called the Hall of Tyrannus in Acts 19 verse 10. And it says that he taught there for two years. And that's always amazed me that this is the methodology that Paul uses. Like, what are you gonna do to turn a city upside down? How are you going to transform people's worldviews? I mean, many people today would opt for politics. They would opt for, you know, the theater. They would, you know, we got to take over Hollywood. Um, what, what does Paul do? He teaches the Bible for a couple hours every day. He just keeps telling people about Jesus. 
And as a result, you can read of the effects of this teaching as the Spirit of God worked through the Apostle Paul and there was a great revival, uh, people were burning their magic books and people's lives were turned upside down. Consequently, churches uh, were born in the, F the region of, of Ephesus and the outlying cities as well. And I think we just need to take that as a lesson also. Uh, how, how are we going to change people's worldview? How are we going to help people see their need to find their identity in Christ and not in performance, not in popularity, not in what their peers say about them, not in how much money they make or what kind of degree they have? What we have to do is keep our nose in the Bible. What we have to do is keep feeding our souls with truth. That's what the Apostle Paul was doing there in Ephesus. And now, by the providence of God, we have this book in front of us that's helping us also apply these truths to our lives. And so as you're thinking about your identity in Christ, here are some, some questions that I think are very important. One of them is, are you in Christ? Like, like are you a Christian? Um, if you're not a Christian, welcome to the study. Um, I'm really glad you're, you're joining us. I, I can hardly think of a better book for you to be studying uh, than the book of Ephesians, which articulates so well for us uh, what it means to, to be a follower of Jesus. And so that, that would be the, the most basic question of, is are you, are you in Christ? Maybe you're not. Well, this book is hopeful to me. Uh, we will find in this book several, what you might call formerly but now statements. Formerly were this, but now this has happened. So Ephesians 2.4, you were dead, but now you've been made alive. 2.13, you were once far off, but now you've been brought near by the blood of Christ. Uh, Paul does this in Ephesians 4, where he says, you put on what was old and you put on what's new. In Ephesians 5.8, he says, you were darkness, now you are light. So this, this is who you were, but now this is who you are. And so if, if you're not a Christian, or perhaps you, you are a Christian, but you have friends, family, neighbors that you really love that are not Christians, this book should give you hope that God can transform uh, all sorts of people. Now, a second question would be, if you are a Christian, are you, are you really basing your life in this identity? Are you enjoying the privileges of being in Christ? And do you really live like, I'm already accepted by the one who ultimately matters the most? I don't need peer approval. I, I don't need the boss to say this. I don't need the coach to say this. Yeah, we want to do good work. Uh, Paul will talk about that as well. We want to do everything to the glory of God with excellence, but we don't derive our identity from those things. And so that, that's an important question. Are you living in this identity? But one of the questions I want you to just keep in mind as we study this is, really an idea that you can see in Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verses 3 down to verse 14, is that Paul is basically worshiping God in light of what God has done. Like your union with Christ, your identity in Christ should cause you to worship. Like how do you go from knowing your identity and then living in light of it? You need a heart. You need your heart to be enthralled with the person and work of Jesus Christ. And when that lands on you, it changes you. And you know how this works. If, if someone gets a new relationship, all of a sudden now, behavior changes, a relationship that matters. And so teenage boy, for example, gets his first girlfriend. Up to this point, his dad's been telling him, hey, Johnny, you need to, you need to take a shower. Johnny doesn't want to take a shower. Hey, Johnny, 
I think you should use some deodorant. It's a great invention. <laughs> hey, hey, Johnny, you ever thought about cologne? Hey, Johnny, why don't you wash my car? Hey, Johnny, you want to get a job? None of that interests Johnny, and then he gets a girlfriend. He's serious about this girl. What happens to Johnny's behavior? Changes. Johnny now is taking a shower, maybe two showers. Johnny's using deodorant. Johnny's got his dad's old spice on. Johnny's washing the car. Johnny wants to get a couple jobs so he can take his girl out on a date. New relationship, new behavior. This is how behavior changes. If you love Jesus deeply, it will change your behavior dramatically. If you have behavior problem, what you ultimately have is a heart problem because we live out of the overflow of our hearts. And what union with Christ should do, what seeing the gospel should do, what, what understanding your identity in Christ should do, is it should cause us to worship. It should cause our hearts to be moved. And when you have deep affections for Christ, realizing what he's done on your behalf, it changes you. You begin to live much more naturally in Ephesians 4 to 6 than before. And so my prayer in our study is that we would, we would know where to find our identity. We would know how to live in light of that identity. And we would realize that we need a heart that is moved by these truths, so much so that it causes us to live in light of these truths instinctively, passionately, easily, naturally. May the Lord do that for us as we journey through this great book. 